uh, we're going to start a new uh, study. We're going to look at the book of Titus over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I get a lot of uh, comments about my sermons. I usually get three. Uh, one is, all you ever do is talk about sin and law. And then on the other hand, I get, all you ever do is talk about grace and Christ. And then, thankfully, I have some people who say, you know, I'm glad I always hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. So there's always a preaching of the law and, and the law and, and gospel. It's law and gospel. I mean, the law is good. Would you all agree that the law is good? Still good. It's just we're corrupt. We can't do anything about it. But the law is good, and, and Jesus Christ loved the law. You can read Psalm 1, Psalm 15. You can read all the Psalms. They didn't hate the law. They loved the law. But the problem is that there's something wrong with us. And so God in his mercy takes out a heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh. I'll say more about this in a minute. But, um, so the reason I want to preach on Titus uh, is because we talk a lot about God's grace in our life. But if, if grace is without uh, the, the spirit and, and it's not accompanied with faith, then it's impossible to carry out the imperatives of the gospel. That we're to be like Jesus Christ. We're to be a holy people. We're to be set apart. We, we're not supposed to be dabbling around uh, in our sin, but going from glory to glory. That's what the gospel teaches. And so I want, look, I want, I want us to look at Titus. Now, today we're going to install uh, Todd Lowry as our pastor and, um, and, but it's kind of ironic that here I go to my first uh, passage and it talks about leaders. <laughs> so anyhow, I did not plan that. So I want you to turn, and I'm not going to read the whole passage because, uh, because of time. Uh, but let's look at verses 1 through 9. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect... And their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching, which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. Uh, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now this is God's holy and inerrant word. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to bless uh, the preaching of his word and the hearing of it. 
Uh, Lord, this is an exciting day uh, as we're installing Todd to be uh, a pastor here at Redeemer. I'm grateful for his time here already. And uh, so we pray that you would um, bless the service. I pray, Lord, in the short amount of time that I have, uh, Lord, that your spirit would work. I pray especially for those who might be attending that are not believers or they're not sure if they're believers. And, and here I'm going to talk about elders. And, and they might think that this could be irrelevant to them. But Lord, I pray that <clears throat> you would bless them to see how the gospel is to impact and transform leadership. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd work in their lives. I pray for uh, all of us as members of Redeemer uh, that we would desire... <clears throat> to grow in Christ, that we would all mature and not be like children constantly tossing through by every wind, by every wind of doctrine. And so, Lord, be with us now and help us uh, hear clearly the Word of God. And we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. Obviously, I have to be brief on my comments today because we are, in a moment, going to bring Todd Lowry up here and we're going to install him to be the pastor uh, here at Redeemer. And uh, it's a good thing that we do this. Installation is a good thing uh, because uh, we're to do things in an orderly way. We're to do things in a biblical way. In fact, we're to do this because as Presbyterians, I'll explain in a moment, uh, we're required by Presbytery because Todd and I and, and Rob as ministers are under Presbytery with teaching and ruling elders. Um, and uh, that's exactly what we see in our text this morning. Uh, if you'll notice in, in verse 5, uh, he says this uh, to, to Titus, uh, a young Greek convert uh, who was gifted, obviously. That's what he says, verse 5, look there. Now, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained, in other words, the work that had been started, and, and uh, that, that you might put it in order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, you've heard me say this before, but you know what the word elder there is the word presbyteros. It means elder. <laughs> it's the word that we get Presbyterian from. Now, most of you, if you're visiting Presbyterian Church for the first time, you think, oh, aren't those the people that believe a you and you and you and not you and you and you? Yeah, predestination. Uh, but um, there's a whole lot more to being Presbyterians than that, even though we would say that's the heart of the gospel, which we'll see in, in just a moment. But really, uh, Presbyterianism is, is in relationship to church government. Okay, and, uh, and, bef and, and so I've got to say this uh, before I come to my first point. There are three kinds of church governments that believe that it's what the Bible teaches. And uh, follow me on this, because I want you to know the importance of choosing elders, getting the right men. First off, there's a hierarchy. It's, uh, it is uh, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, Anglicanism, Episcopalianism, uh, Methodism, and maybe I'm missing some. And, and again, this is not a critique. I'm just telling you what's out there. And, and they choose leadership within the hierarchy, right? And then on the other side, so there's only three. Now you got one down, and they'll, they'll read Episcopos here as like priest, whereas Episcopos overseer and Presbyteros are, are kind of tied there together. They're used interchangeably. Then the other side... Uh, most of you and many of you probably grew up in a Baptist background. And in the Baptist church, um, th their form of church government is uh, what we call independent. It's, it's a freestanding, independent uh, ch church. 
Um, and so if you talk about the Southern Baptists, you talk about the Southern Baptist Association. And so there's a fellowship among the churches, uh, but there's not, there's not a, as it were, a ecclesiological uh, connection, connection in terms of courts and all that. Matter of fact, if you say, well, I'm not, none of those, I'm non-denominational, then basically non-denominational is a Baptist form of church government. It's an independent form of church government. And so the, the third kind is what we call the Reformed churches or the Presbyterian churches. And, uh, and the reason we believe uh, that it's biblical is, is because it ties the church together, not in a hierarchical way. It's not independent, but we're tied together uh, through um, what we call representative government. Okay? Now, now, where do we get this from? <clears throat> We get it from Acts chapter 15. Well, we get it from a lot of places, like here in the text. Y'all see in the text, he says, choose elders from among you. Um, but you also see it in Acts 15. If, you, if you've ever read the book of Acts, could you imagine all the heresies that were going on in the first 15 years of the church? Did you think about it. They didn't, have, they didn't have the written New Testament, <laughs> so you had to listen to the apostles' teaching, and you had to make sure you entrusted men like Titus. And so all kind of crazy stuff is going on out there. So eventually, after Paul was converted, they had to have a big council together in Acts 15. If you've ever read it, it's called the Council of Jerusalem. And not only were the apostles there, but you know, it said all the elders of the churches, they came. And they deliberated for some time, looking at the Old Testament scriptures and the teaching of the apostles, and they together made decisions. And what's very interesting is after the decisions were made, it was not Peter who spoke. It was James who spoke, the first martyr, um, uh, the first apostle um, that was martyred. And, and so what we believe is this, and you're going to go, why are you telling me all this? Well, you'll see here in a moment. I mean, it does say choose elders. And so, so the, the Presbyterian church, the Reformed churches, are representative government. And basically what that means is that all the churches are tied together as individual churches. And then like state government, we meet three times a year as Presbytery with teaching and ruling elders. And then once a year we meet as General Assembly to determine the issues of the courts uh, that are there. But another way, the best way to understand Presbyterianism is the American uh, U.S. government based a lot of its uh, political thinking on Presbyterian forms of systems. Okay, so that the idea of checks and balances, you, you civic class students, 14, 15 years old, y'all know there's three branches to government? The legislative branch and the executive branch and, uh, and the judicial branch and all branches are holding each other accountable. You know why? Because of this idea that we can't trust individual people. Presidents become kings. And Supreme Courts become the banana republic. And le legislatures legislate according to their own uh, whims and they get together this group against that group. Because in the biblical sense that we need always to be checked because of sin that's in our lives. We always need to be checked. So I'm under authority. All the elders here are under authority. Uh, every, if you're a member of Redeemer, you're a member of the Presbyterian Church of America. You're a member of that church. So here, why, why is this important? Well, the reason it's important, if you're going to be a healthy church, and he says put things in order then it's very important that we have systems upon which we can do that that are biblical. 
So, if you take a vow to Redeemer, so I think church membership is important. If you haven't joined the church, I really think you really need to think about this. Well, if it's not a Redeemer, join somewhere else because then you will not be making decisions and determining what is Christian and what is not Christian. You'll have the scriptures, but you'll also have the authority of the church. This is why church membership and church attendance and fellowship in the body of Christ is so important, you see. And, uh, and so what, is, what does that mean? It means when you take a vow, and so do the elders take vows. Uh, Todd's taken vows. I've taken vows that, that I need to adhere to the Westminster Confession and the Scriptures. But if I ever get out of accord to, to the Scriptures, if I were to get up here today and say, by the way, I want you all to know something. The Bible is not the inerrant Word of God. Now, I believe it's the Word of God, but only as it contains the Word of God, but it's not really the Word of God. So when it gets that part about head coverings or it gets this part about this and that and the other, then uh, that's, just, that's just Paul saying that. Would y'all, would y'all want me to stay up in here and preach? I hope not. I mean, I've been your pastor for 20 years. Like, he's out of here. We love him. Uh, it, but you see, there, I'm under the authority of the Presbyterian. So if one of y'all said, hey, I, you know, let me tell you what our pastor said. They can go listen to the tapes. And the tapes, and they can bring, bring me to trial. And it's for the protection of the people of God. What do we do about a church member? You have taken vows. And some of you might even be breaking them this morning. That third vow that I promise with the help of the Holy Spirit, that I will live a life that becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, you know, so none of us are doing that fully, perfectly, are we? But what if somebody here right now is having an affair? It's happened. What if we got a businessman in here who's cheating another person, not paying them? What are we supposed to do? Just turn our heads the other way and go, hey, well, you know what? Hopefully the Lord will work in his life. No, I think lovingly to go to the person who's in sin. So, brother, if you do not turn your way, church discipline will come. And then on the other hand, is it protects the body, the bride of Jesus Christ. He loves his bride and elders and those who are in leadership should be concerned that the bride is not tainted. That we as people are above reproach. When I said above reproach, he tells Titus that they choose men above reproach. That doesn't mean perfect. Goodness gracious. In fact, Todd, you remember when they asked you, and, and Rob and Matt, they're going to ask you this. Remember right, right then when they're ordaining you as a minister? This is 35 years ago, and it's still like makes me break out in cold sweats. It says, <laughs> they ask, is there any scandalous thing in your life that would pre- pre- prevent you from entering public ministry? Of course, my first thought was, well, define a scandal. <laughs> but we are, we're to be the body of Christ. And, and if you don't understand that, and you're a member of Redeemer, I, I just don't think you know much about Jesus. And so he's saying to Titus, Listen, all kind of stuff's going to be going on until Jesus Christ comes back at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. 2,000 years from now, they're going to have to deal with stuff. That's why I call it the Reformed Church, constantly in the place of reforming. That's why we don't live on this planet forever. Because we can die and go be with the Lord and not hide from each other. And uh, so, what I want to do in my remaining minutes, uh, here's what I want us to see in Paul's instruction to Titus, okay? 
And I, I can only do five minutes on each point. So y'all can time me. And a lot of y'all are going, there's no way. I know how Farnsworth. Here's what I want us to look at. And, and especially if like, you're not a believer today and you're going, man, I don't want to come to the installation service. I'm glad you're here. But, <clears throat> but here, here's the first thing. I want us to look at the people the elders serve, the people that they're to serve. And then uh, secondly, I want to see uh, the purpose the elders serve. We'll see that in verse 5 and 9. And then I want us to see the quality of the person chosen to serve, chosen to serve as elder. The quality. What is the quality of an elder? Or, or for that matter, a, a woman who's, in, uh, who's on our women's council, that we have women leadership, we value our women's leadership, work in tandem with the ruling elders at Redeemer. What are our women to be like? And he talks about that in chapter 2. Uh, later. So, how about the people, the elders that are served? Now, look at verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages and at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Now the Apostle Paul says two things about himself. He says, number one, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. That's why I, want, that's why I love the church. I'm a servant of Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you love the church. That's just what he says. And uh, God was always in the business of changing names. He used to be Saul, but now he's Paul. Abram, Abram used to be Abram, but now he's Abraham. When God comes, he works, he does a new thing in your life, you'll become a servant of Jesus Christ. I, I believe that with all my heart. When, you're, when the Spirit works in you, you're a servant, bond servant. Uh, but he also says that he's an apostle. Now, there are no apostles here. I'm not an apostle. All the apostles died uh, because the, the, what, what you had to be to be an apostle was you had to know Jesus. You had to have met Jesus. Of course, Paul met Jesus on the way to, uh, uh, to Damascus. He met him. And, and, and then Paul in Galatians, the very first book that he wrote, he said, I'm an apostle of Christ, and if somebody preaches another gospel other than the one I preach, the free grace of God in Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. And, and so the apostle Paul is, is an apostle. So he's a servant of Christ, he's an apostle. Now we see the reason that he was sent by God. Now this is the reason he sent. He says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Who are the people? Does, does Paul have to make the people? Do I have to make the people of God? Does an evangelist have to make a, a, a person a, a, a Christian? Do you know what? You cannot convert anybody. You cannot, you cannot, do, you cannot do one thing to convert them. You can live the most perfect life in front of a person. You can be the pers- perfect parents. But our text says this, that before we talk about godliness and the, and the imperatives of the gospel, it is absolutely necessary, Siri, that you understand that if you are of Christ, it is because God the Father has called you, period. You're saved by grace. It's called the indicative mode. We've talked about this many times at Redeemer. He doesn't say, be, Jesus doesn't say be light of the world. He says you are the light of the world. He doesn't say be salt. He says you are the salt of the earth. How? Because God calls you 
He chooses you. And you can believe all you want to, but if it's not coupled with faith, you'll, you, you know what? Forget the imperatives. You'll be a legalist. You'll hate it. Or you'll be an antinomian. You'll say, I can't do all that stuff. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But you see, when God calls you by His grace, and that's what our text says, doesn't it? You're, you're elect, you're called, you're adopted. Christ is the husband that comes like to the, to the bride, and the bride meets the perfect man, and she says, I want to marry you. I want to give my life to you. I want to give my name to you. That's what it means. But if he doesn't show up, then you know what? You don't want him to. You got that? You don't want him to. Because let me tell you what, when he shows up in your life, everything about your life will be about around him and what he wants for you. Anybody been married long enough to know? And I've got a great marriage. I've been married 38 years, so I better hurry up and say that first. But has anybody learned that marriage doesn't quite get it there, get it what you want? That money doesn't? That success doesn't? They, they don't do anything. The, they do temporarily, maybe temporarily until you find out that it doesn't satisfy. But you see, he's talking about the indicatives of the gospel here. That he is speaking to the elect. I'm thankful for that. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes I scratch my head about a lot of y'all. Or number, not a lot. I better not say a lot. Everybody's going, he doesn't like me. He doesn't think I'm saved. Well, sometimes I do wonder about some of you. And it's not because I'm judging you. I don't, I don't mean to do that. It's just I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand why the, the, there, there's the, the antagonism and the, and the friction in the families and the children not believing and, uh, and, uh, and again, by the way, it, it took a long time for my older children to come around and smell the sauce. So I'm, if, if your children are wandering out there in the wilderness, I'm not, I'm not saying it's because you're not what you should be. Trust me, I'm not saying that. Uh, last thing I want to do is make you feel guilty. But the bottom line is it's not so much that. It's not wayward. It's just that is there, is there this desire to carry out the imperatives that we're going to learn about in Titus? So you understand how miserable you're going to be if you don't understand the indicatives. So that's the people that God serves. And, uh, and what Paul says, he wants them to grow in knowledge of the truth and godliness. Do you see that? He, like, if you have no desire to read the Bible, you have no desire to... And sometimes I don't, okay? Do you, Justin, I, well, I know you do all the time, Justin, campus minister. But, but you know what? I know that I must discipline myself to dig, to dig. And, uh, but you're to grow in a knowledge of the truth. Why do you think God saved you? Not only to know him, but in godliness, whom he foreknew, he predestined. Oh, there's that word again. To be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And certainly we don't need to be choosing elders who that's not their pattern. And that's not their desire. And so we're to grow in a knowledge and we're to grow in holiness. We're to grow in godliness. Yes, we're saved by grace. Freely. But is not grace, not only that we're justified before God and all the legal requirements have been met, but isn't grace that how Farnsworth can change a little bit? A little bit? Would that be grace? That you can change, you can actually learn to love people? Wow, you know, I used to not like that person. But by God's grace and through the reading of the scriptures, I'm actually loving that person. The grace to forgive, the grace to, 
for your husband or your wife that's wounded you or your children and parents. Listen, uh, children, I know parents have wounded you. They say one thing, they do another. I'm one of those parents. And you don't need to reject Jesus Christ because we don't always represent him well. But wouldn't it be wonderful to meet Jesus Christ and know the true Father in heaven that we all long for and be able to go, you know what, I forgive, I forgive mom and dad. That's grace. And we're to be those people. So, uh, two more quick things. That, that's the people, the elder serves. Notice the purpose the elder serves. Now look at verse 5 and 9. Um, the purpose. Verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town I directed you. So let me deal with that first. So you're, you're to appoint men uh, who are to be servants, not top, not lording themselves over, but men who are under, who serve, because Christ came under to bring order in the church. Let me tell you, do you know that healthy churches aren't formalistic churches, and they're not crazy out there churches. But there is order to it. It's organic. There's life to it. But there has to be a bone structure. I mean, if all you are is uh, blood and guts, I'd just be rolling around here talking out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> you know, set me up on the pulpit like Jabba the Hutt. Um, but, but, but we have bone structures. Bone, bone structures are the order, the organization, our finances, how we, how we uh, train people, how we do our Sunday school classes, the people that we hire. Things are to be done orderly. Matter of fact, God gave ten commandments. and not, He didn't give a thousand. He gave ten commandments. And I've heard somebody describe it as the fence around the playground. It's where the good things run wild. Is inside that playground. Like a good marriage. But outside that, sex outside of marriage? Woo. Sexual immorality? Woo. So, so order is an important thing. Do you know that God is the God of order? Do you know that he's in three persons? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me ask y'all, will the Son ever be the Father? No, unless you're a Unitarian. Will the Holy Spirit ever be the Son? No. Perfect order in the Godhead. The Father who calls us, Christ who died for us, the Holy Spirit who regenerates us and makes us alive. Order. It's amazing to me how when we think about worship today, all we think about is disorder and, and uh, experience. We have an order to worship. Now, I, I, I don't think they worship that way in the New Testament, but at least there's an order that's there. That every Sunday we're going to call God, God, God come, He calls us to worship and then we confess our faith, and that's our part. And then we confess our sin, and then we have the words of assurance. There's order to it. And if you come, so well, that's kind of stiff because uh, they kind of. No, if you come for long enough, you go, man, this is awesome. I think doing communion every week. And so we need to choose men from among us to create a healthy church because so goes the leadership, so goes the church, so that the good things might take off. Do you understand the Holy Spirit can really move and operate? Corporately, where there's order that's there. Give you an example of that. I don't know, a couple of months back, maybe a year ago, uh, I, somebody in the session brings something up. I'm like, man, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. 
I said, who came up with that idea? And uh, the person wasn't saying it was their idea. I was like, who came up with that idea? And Greg said, uh, uh, I would like to show you the minutes of four, four years ago on April the 27th. You said, boom, that thing you think's nuts. <laughs> so, and I thought that was great. And I was like, yeah, that was, what was I thinking then? Okay, so, so there's, to, there's to be order. We're to set things in order. I want us to be orderly about what we do. If we have to do church discipline, it takes a long time. But never would we want to offend the a party that's the, the offender or the one who's been wounded. But to care for. Now, how does this order come? Notice what he says in verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. How is he to bring order? Through the word of God. God's word is, is, trust me, it is systematically ordered from Genesis all the way to Revelation to start in the garden, we end with a city coming, and it's all perfectly laid out. There is no disorder in God's word. So the, the elders should be a man of God. And let me tell you something, elders. God didn't call you to be deacons. And let me say something to you who are deacons. You deacons, you should be men of mercy. You should be men who are riding down the road and not just thinking about all your problems. Which we all do that, don't we? Right? I, think, I promise you I think more about my problems than I do y'all's. But, but the whole idea of putting sin to death is to... It's all of a sudden other people elevated above your problems. If you're a deacon, you need to be going, man, what is going on with our divorced women at Redeemer? If you're not doing that, you're messing up your job. Go, what's going on? Pick up the phone and call them. Hey, Gene, can I come out there and clean out your, uh, 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 what do you call them, leaves? Out of your gutter. Can, uh, can, can I help you out? The, the women who, have, who, who are divorced, are they Okay. That's what, that's what a, a deacon should be thinking. And if you're not thinking that way as a deacon, then you're not, you're not understanding the joy of being a deacon. You're to be merciful. And you're also to equip other people to do it. But if you're an elder, that's not really your job. Y your job is to take God's word and take the people that God has given us and to minister and be with them and minister the word of God because I can tell you, I could go down every single row here and tell you that there are people who are hurting and doubting and wounded and uncertain and don't even know if they believe in the gospel anymore. And to be able to take the word of God that's living. Is it living? It's living. And to apply it. And so that, that's the purpose of the elder. And I'm going to have to say more about this next week. But here's the last thing. So it's not just what he knows, it's the quality of the person. And uh, there are a lot of qualifications that are there. Um, well, yeah, i got to tell you this one real quick because I'm doing good. Um, somebody on the one, you notice how it says husband of one wife? I remember there was an elder who believed that if a guy's wife died, then he could never be an elder. And... Uh, so the, the commandments aren't that wooden. I thought that was funny. I, of course, I, didn't, I was nice, and I didn't say, that's ridiculous and crazy. But 
But what are the qualifications that are here? Well, I don't have time to get into all the qualifications, but I want to run down a couple of the qualifications. There, there's, there's negatives and positives. As you start thinking, and by the way, don't just think elder, think you. If you're, if you're like a 15-year-old and you're going, okay, doesn't relate to me. Oh, heck, it doesn't. It does relate to you. It just had better be that the elders and the leaderships are demonstrating this. But um, if you'll notice, uh, first off, uh, there's the negatives. Above reproach. Before you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Verse, verse, uh, first one's arrogant. Not, not want attention versus putting others before him. That's what it means to be arrogant. To be arrogant is you want everybody to think you're awesome. Uh, boy, this is a big one. Quick-tempered. I mean, I would say if you're an elder and you're quick-tempered, man, we need to talk because you see temper and anger coming from a source, isn't it? Because he's dealing with a source. The, the source of a gospel man is gospel mercy. How many don't get mad sometimes? I get mad. I was mad about five years ago on October the 16th. No, you know, no, we do, we, we, but, but, but there's this thing is what is at the source of a person? When you cut that person, that elder, is he bleeding mercy and kindness or is he bleeding anger? And, and by the way, I, you know, I'm just telling you, I, I do know that a lot of you husbands, I'm just telling you, forget the elders right now. I just know a lot of husbands because I do some counseling are not treating their wives with tenderness. And uh, that would be a disqualifier to be an elder. In fact, one thing we'll do is we'll ask that wife, hey, do you think your husband is ready to be an elder or a deacon? Um, Violent. Angry men do not realize that God should be angry with them. I mean, they're violent. Greedy for gain. Person is always thinking about building their own their own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. You know, so think more about your four four hundred one k than you do about tithing, about giving. But uh, but notice the positive things that are here too, and we're going to come back to this. But notice he says, uh, hospitable, a lover of good, self controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Hospitable. Man, yeah, come on over to my house. You don't feel like, I, I better not call them. They'll be mad because it's after seven. A lover of good. Man, they're bothered by injustice they see right across the street. It bothers you. We want to do something about injustice. Self-controlled. Uh, Jesus was reviled, and when he was reviled, he reviled not. Self-controlled. Upright, he's a righteous man. He's not sinking, he's not trying to find out his own angle on every argument. Reasonable, listening, righteous man. And that he's holy and disciplined. Let me tell you something holiness and discipline go hand in hand. No discipline, no holiness. Jesus Christ learned obedience as a son. Do you understand that every day he got and he read? Every day he had to not sin on our behalf. Every day he knew he needed to know the Father. I'm just telling you, there is no holiness without discipline. I mean, you're perfectly disciplined? No, but does that make sense? Uh, don't they call your class of students disciplines? This is my discipline? And you go, what is your discipline? And you say, well, accounting. And uh, you don't know anything about it. Then they say, well, I guess you don't study a whole lot. So let me, uh, let me close w- w- with this. Um, 
so, Todd, I'll lay this one on you here, buddy. Uh, I know Justin's going to charge you here in a minute. but um, I know I've given this illustration years ago, but it's a good one. Uh, there's a story of uh, Peter and John who were with Jesus. It's not in the Bible, okay? It's a story. Legend. And so they were walking uh, with Jesus, and uh, they came by this uh, lake, and, uh, and um, Jesus said, uh, we're going to walk up that hill, and uh, this big mountain, I want you to grab a rock. So, so uh, John picks up a pretty big rock, and then Peter's looking at the mountain, and he's, he's looking at the rock, so he picks him up a little bitty pebble, sticks it in his pocket, right? So it takes some hours to get to the top of the mountain. And after they get to the top of the mountain, Jesus turns the rocks into bread and says, we're going to have lunch now. <laughs> so Peter had his communion wafer. And that John's up there eating the bread, you know. And then Jesus said, okay, let's go back down the mountain. We've got things to do. Pick up a rock. And so, uh, of course, John picks up his rock. And, and Peter, he just picks up this great big old rock. They're walking down the hill, and they get all the way to the bottom of the hill. They come right by that, that lake. And, uh, and uh, Jesus pauses. He turns to him. He says, uh, throw, the, throw, throw your rock in the, in the water. And, of course, John throws his rock, and Peter's got this huge, big old rock, and he's just completely stunned. And, of course, Jesus says to Peter, well, Peter, let me ask him, who are you carrying the rock for? So many things that we do, that we do for our own glory, our own advantage. Uh, but Todd, I pray that we and the other pastors and the elders and the deacons and the women's leadership at Redeemer that would be the folks who would, who would tote the rock on behalf of the people for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time, and we pray that you bless uh, as we install uh, Todd, that you empower him with your Holy Spirit. Empower us all with your Holy Spirit to know Jesus Christ, that we might minister him. And we ask it in your name. Amen.